From Courtside of the Virtual Hardwood, it's the MLSE Podcast. This is episode number 466. I am Andrew, Andrew in our forum, and Andrew NLSE on Twitter. Joining me as always, my co-host Derek, DV3 in the forum, and also on Twitter at DV3G and DV384. Derek, here we are, back on the mics. What's on your mind this week? Well, I'm pretty happy that we just had a session on NBA Jam Tournament Edition for the Super NES. I think you would agree that not only does that game hold up incredibly well, but the game is quite the challenge against the CPU. Unforgiving. And <laughs> it's, so, it's so unforgiving. I mean, they shoot, what, 99% from the field? Close they to, yeah. Never, yeah, if they get a shot off, it's, you know, whether it's a three, you know, mid-range layup, you know, whatever, they, they hit about 99% of the time. You're strategy to win really is just taking care of the ball make less turnovers than them and push as much as possible in order to jar the ball from them and get some steals and i think that we did a pretty good job of that when we were using the nets so andrew was on Derek coleman i was on kenny anderson so he kind of played a, a rim protector role and then i was ball hawking and whatnot we ended up pulling that win out uh we won by one uh but man the the computer in that game is so tough and there's a lot of momentum that goes into their favor especially like in the later stages of games the rubber banding ai is is brutal you build up a lead and then all of a sudden oh here they come and and this is not uncommon in video games even to this day but certainly in the 90s and uh, i was actually watching a video about the internal mechanics of the nba jam series those early nba jam games uh, I forget which channel it is. I'll have to uh, send you the link because it was a very interesting video and I'll post it on our uh, our socials as well because it's definitely worth a look. But there's a lot of stuff going in behind the scenes that when you get up by a certain amount that the attributes drop here and they raise there for the opponent and everything to, to rubber band the game back into a competitive scene. But yeah, the, the CPU is just absolutely brutal. Uh, they'll they'll happily make shots, Derek, from full court at the end of the buzzer. That's uh, There's a lot of CPU middle fingers in that game. And that happened in the first game that we played where I was using Jim Jackson and Jamal Mashburn, and we were against the Harold Miner-led Heat. And Harold Miner is so overdone in that game, it's ridiculous. Oh, his ratings are terrible. I mean, terribly good, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, they were buying into the hype, though, with Harold Miner about him being baby Jordan. Uh, They made him like a nine on speed and a nine on dunk. Um, And anything for a rating in NBA Jam Tournament Edition, uh, that's an eight and above, it's in the green. It means it's like a it's like a super rating. It's it's like really good. Um, so Miner has those two under his belt. But I did dunk with Jim Jackson, Andrew, and Jim Jackson for some odd reason in that game has a one. He's in the red for a dunk rating. And one of the reasons why I wanted to connect with you is to get into a game and use Jim Jackson to see hey. He may have a one on his dunk rating, but let's see how many times I can actually throw it down in a live game. And I would say I probably dunked it on attacks to the rim maybe 40 to 50% of the time. And I wonder if maybe that has something to do with his height in the game as well, you know, because he isn't like a short player like Kenny Anderson, who I used in the second game that we played. But it's, it's really interesting how the ratings work in that game. Some of them are just so off, and we're going to get into that. I can get into some of the weird ratings in that game, but uh, it still works really well, and it's still just a great game. 
it's one of my all-time favorites. It, until on Fire Edition came along, it was clearly my, my far and away favorite NBA Jam game. And there's a couple of reasons for that. One is that it was the first game I played, Tournament Edition. I didn't play the original until years later, so I, I played the sequel first, or the, uh, I guess, the Enhanced Edition, whatever you want to call it, and that became my favorite as a result. And it's one of those weird things where you play the, the sequel first and it becomes your favorite. Uh, I think the NBA Jam, the original NBA Jam still holds up just as well. It is a tremendous game in its own right. I do think they made some great decisions as far as bringing the numerical ratings in rather than the, the bars. I know the bars are classic, but getting that numerical uh, rating just removes all ambiguity, sort of, depending on how accurate they are, of course. And of course, they brought in the injuries. And that is something that I forgot to mention when we were talking about the possibility of having a new NBA Jam game a couple of episodes ago, that I love the injury levels in tournament edition Derek because it adds that extra element of strategy because you get knocked down more the injury level comes up your attributes go down your player runs slower and it's same for your opponent the more you push the more you can injure them you have to substitute they have to substitute the CPU has to substitute so there's that extra element of strategy with the injuries that uh, was was missing from the EA games exactly i i was about to say uh, the beauty of nba jam tournament edition over the original um is the strategy element that they added, um, you know, in relation to, you know, feeling like you do have to make subs at times and, you know, that your player is not going to perform the same throughout the entire game and whatnot. I think that they did such a good job with that in NBA Jam Tournament Edition. And, and also for clarity for the li- for listeners, when we did win that second game, when we were using, you know, he was on Coleman, we were using the Nets and I was using Kenny Anderson. We beat the Pistons who were um, using Joe Dumars and Terry Mills. But yeah, I also enjoy the Super Nintendo version more than the Sega one, um, and maybe you're the w- this way as well. And a lot of our listeners, because of the button mapping, because there's more buttons mm. on the Super Nintendo controller. So um, instead of trying to use one of the you know standard ABC buttons on your Sega controller for Turbo, you get to use the trigger. You know what I mean? And it it just makes things it just makes a lot more sense on the floor, and I find myself in having more control over the action. So I'll always prefer like the Super Nintendo versions of NBA Jam over Sega. PC and Super Nintendo are what I grew up with, the both versions of NBA Jam. In fact, the PC version of NBA Jam uh, Tournament Edition that I own and uh, still own the original copy that I got all those years ago. One of the very first games I purchased for myself, for PC, basketball games, that is. So that's uh, another reason why it's very nostalgic to me. Of course, the Pistons have Oliver Miller as well as uh, Terry Mills, and they actually have identical ratings, Derek, which is weird and wrong as well, but another one of those quirks of the ratings, which we'll be getting into shortly. Uh, I did wonder why you picked the Dallas Mavericks, the the worst team, uh, at least (laughs) according to the the ladder, the tournament ladder in that game, but that does make sense about trying out the, the dunk rating, because... Despite the fact there is a, a tips screen that says players with a zero rating for dunks cannot dunk, uh, they can absolutely dunk, even if it's just the simple ones right next to the hoop. And that was the same with the original NBA Jam as well. Go in there with Isaiah Thomas in the original NBA Jam. He's got uh, zero on the bar, completely red bar, but he can still dunk. So I, I think they changed their mind about that, but they didn't change the tip screen. Which is interesting because if you do that on... NBA 2K, like the newer 2Ks, um, any of the ones from, say, like the PS3, PS4, 
PS5 eras and you bring like their driving dunk to zero or whatnot or whatever the lowest rating is, whatever, um, you can't do it. Like you can't dunk. You're not going to. Yeah. Same with NBA Live back in the day. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So that, that is super interesting. But let's get into a few of these. So for the sake of time, Andrew, um, I made sure not to go to the benches. So I'm only going by the first two names that you see for each team when you pull up the rosters. So first one I want to bring up is the Jim Jackson, one on dunk. Jim Jackson was a shooting guard, small forward throughout his career. He was an, he was a great athlete. He wasn't a great dunker, but he threw it down plenty of times in his career. Uh, somebody had to have programmed Jim Jackson to have a one on dunk. What are your thoughts on that? Um, because, I mean, it could have been somebody could have programmed it and maybe they didn't know a lot about Jim Jackson or maybe they fat fingered it. I, I, I doubt that all the errors and ratings on this game could be fat fingered. Yeah. I, I don't think they're, they're typos. I don't think they're, they're messing up like that. Uh, from what I recall from an interview back in the day, you didn't have the access that you have today. You can go on YouTube, obviously, and look up any player that you're not familiar with uh, getting stats, of course, from, uh, from basketball reference and uh, even NBA.com. And so forth, and you only get to see the games you got to see in your local market, and a few of the national games as well. So I think they have talked about how some of the players they kind of had to guess, or they looked at the stats and, and made their best guess, and they definitely erred on some of them. And I also think, as we get into some of these ratings that you've got uh, as examples, I think they may have also fudged them in so much as trying to balance the ratings and the teams, I, I th- because some of them seem to be deliberately lower or higher. Just to give a, just to make sure that a team has a three point shooter or a great dunker or a blocker or or something like that, but I think uh, some of it was just uh, not having the resources back in the day. That makes sense, and maybe that's why they gave Dennis Rodman a nine on blocks mm. on block shot or, uh, or a substitute not- for his rebounding rating because there's no rebound rating in the game, so maybe they look right, like that way. Right. Right, exactly. And maybe that has something to do with it. But he was never a strong shot blocker in his career. He was a good rim protector. He was a disciplined rim rim protector. Um, And he was obviously physical down low, kind of like Otis Thorpe, who was another guy who was just not a great shot blocker. Um, But, you know, he wasn't swatting shots. He he never even (laughs) had blocks in a single season in his career. Um, Another one, Hakeem Olajuwon, three on steel. Um, Hakeem is the best big man for steals, possibly in league history. Yeah, Obviously, didn't start keeping steals and blocks until the early 70s in the NBA. So we don't know about Bill Russell, um, younger Wilt Chamberlain, uh, etc. But... Hakeem Olajuwon had 213 steals in a single season um, at the center position, which would be the league leader today and over the last few seasons in the NBA. And then he just had a string of over 100 steal seasons. A three, maybe it's that balance thing you were talking about, but there is no way that this young prime Hakeem Olajuwon should have a three on steal. Not at all. No, that that does seem either erroneous because oh a big man doesn't get a lot of steals usually or again a false balance exactly and i think that's what they did with david robinson too they gave david robinson a three on steel and he was excellent at him from the center position i want to say he had roughly 150 156 something like that in a single season uh, this is a weird one 
and I don't know if the the clutch ratings were based on any numbers. I'm I'm gonna have to look up to see if there's any legitimacy to this. But they gave Vladi Divac an eight on clutch, mm. and yeah. Kevin Willis a one <laughs> on clutch. Now, I feel like I know my basketball history pretty well, Andrew. I'd say uh, so. I never thought of Vladi Divac as a clutch player, and I never thought of Vladi Divac as a more clutch player than Kevin Willis. It just seems like a very random rating. Things like that do seem random. I mean, you look at the Bulls, I think uh, Pippen's clutch is five or, or lower, while Q Coaches is, uh, this is on the PC version, actually, uh, as is, is, I think, uh, eight or even a nine. And, of course, Q Coach did have those uh, clutch shots there in the, around about that time because the uh, tournament edition covers kind of the 94 through to the 95 season over its various uh, iterations. So that, that kind of makes sense. And, of course, Pippen very... Uh, infamously sat out and uh, sulked in that game that uh, Kukoc hit that big shot in. So, so sometimes they make sense like that. But again, I, I think it does come down to uh, not having the knowledge or just making some guesses or, oh, we saw this guy hit a big shot and we've never seen this guy hit a big shot kind of thing. And they've just uh, made some guesses with the clutch rating. Because again, the, you didn't have the advanced stats really back then either. Exactly. Uh, I think we were, uh, a lot of us were combing through like the basketball almanacs, right? Exactly. Yeah. And what? And I had, I had a big one. I've talked about it, uh, on a prior NLSC podcast and we were obsessed with it. Uh, we did so much with that almanac. It was unbelievable. Uh, but you know, some players I feel like make a big play and then just future video games, just always make them good in that category. Like Tayshawn Prince's block on Reggie Miller. Mm, uh, reputation yeah 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 since that one block and Tayshawn prince was not a great shot blocker but after that block after that moment he was always given a favorable block rating regardless of how he was performing after that block so um and then darvin ham darvin ham was always given this ridiculously high dunk rating uh after he participated in the dunk contest so even when he wasn't throwing it down as much anymore when he wasn't elevating the way that he used to be you could still in video games just kind of go at the rim with force and throw it down hard with darvin ham oh for so, sure it's kind of like how for a few years there vince carter had this reputation as this uh, fragile player he had a couple of seasons where he was uh, injured but for the rest of his career he was quite reliable quite sturdy Oh, yeah. And then that's that too, like injuries, even something like that can follow a player in video games. Definitely. So it, it's it's it is pretty wild. Uh, Kevin Johnson in NBA Jam Tournament Edition, a two on dunk. Um, I know that he was starting to head into the back end of his career, but for an arcade basketball game and with Kevin Johnson's reputation, I'm not saying he should have been in the green, but having him a two on dunk, which is something I would give to uh, uh maybe a guard that you know wasn't capable of doing what kevin johnson did um i thought that's a pretty low rating i you know you remember kevin johnson throwing it down on akima lajuan of right? course yeah and at least just, a five i'd say you know yeah give him like a five or six or something so i thought that was not disrespectful but i thought it was just low misguided inaccurate yeah he's got it um christian leitner legendary college player he could score the ball obviously um ended up being i would say good nba player he ended up being a you know an all-star caliber nba sure. player T 10 year um, plus career you know solid in his time one-time all-star yeah yeah as an nba all-star zero on pass mm. you know i've never looked at christian leitner and thought that he was a bad passer 
I think zero is pretty harsh for a power forward who was versatile like he was. But yeah, zero on pass for Christian Leitner. Definitely too low. And then at the other end of the scale, you've got uh, Dino Raja and Juwan Howard with three-point ratings of nine. And I don't think Raja hit a single three throughout his career. I think Howard hit a couple later on, but they were not three-point gunners. All right, exactly. Um, what do you think about this one? Cliff Robinson, a nine on power and a nine on block. Um, so Cliff Robinson did get 100 blocks in a single season, over 100 blocks um, in his career. But he was not a great shot blocker. I would say a nine, which is in the green, for shot blocking should be for the elite shot blockers, for the best ones in the league. And then a nine on power for a guy who played small forward, power forward, but was never really considered a power player. He was was more of a versatile wing who could give you some post-up at times. Um, Fluid, not powerful, yeah. Yeah, it's a little crazy. Otis Thorpe, who was known for being a power forward, player he's like a power forward he's the prototypical <laughs> i was gonna say prototypical uh, power forward yeah right um obviously instrumental for the 93 94 rockets championship run he was the bruiser um he was getting physical with everybody um he was excellent earlier in his career too and whatnot with the kings and everything he is a seven on power so i understand you know maybe trying to do that for cliff robinson because he was represent represented as kind of the big guy on portland because clyde drexler's paired with him uh otis thorpe is paired with akim olajuwon uh with the rockets (laughs) before the trade right and that's two big guys as the primary faces of that team so maybe the thorpe being a seven was kind of them trying to balance things out and not make the rockets too overpowering in in that game like um so I'm, I'm not sure exactly the purpose of that but i just thought it was interesting because cliff robinson was definitely not like a power forward no no i mean sort of grifted from small forward all the way through to small forward power forward center during uh, different points of his career absolutely and uh, not known as, as a bruiser <laughs> as you say whereas otis thorpe definitely should have been a, at least an eight probably a nine in that in that category but you look at some other teams like the, the Charlotte Hornets, you've got Larry Johnson and Alonzo Mourning there. Their three-point ratings, are, I think, are five each. I think even Ewing's got a three-point rating of five as well. And it's I think it's definitely done when they have sort of those that forward or forward and center combination in some of those teams that if you don't want to substitute and get that, that bench player for the three-point shooting, you've got a bit of three-point shooting in that lineup to begin with. So I, I think they definitely fudged some ratings and just completely uh, whiffed on some other ones. Well, get this. Vin Baker, who is the big man representative for his team, mm. is a two-one power. <laughs> yeah, very wrong. And Vin Baker was kind of a prototypical power forward. He did play in the high and low post the most of the most of the time, and he could be physical. So um, he was also a one-on pass, um, which again is just a super low rating. Um, speaking of Vin Baker, if you ever want to see how skilled. He was. Watch that young Milwaukee Bucks, Vin Baker. Go on YouTube and watch some full games or some highlights of him. He was absolutely fantastic with his like footwork, with his mid-range shot, his little post fadeaway. Um, he was really, you know, he could move back then. It's before he started putting on the weight. Um, but he's actually, in my opinion, one of the most underrated power forwards 
from the 90s, and I don't think it gets talked about enough. I agree. He also played 82 games pretty much three or four years in a row. He was very durable. Oh, no, absolutely. And you know what happened, though, is when he did come to my Celtics, he was just a shell. Personal uh, problems, the alcohol abuse. Sports, yeah, it was very uh, sad. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, you know, he had the personal problems. Um, he had trouble staying on the floor. Uh, he just – he wasn't – as athletic anymore as he used to be he used to run out of stamina faster and whatnot it was still nice to have him on the celtics and he gave us a lot of hope at that time but he was not like even close to what he was when he was with milwaukee or his early years with seattle um so check this one out so oakley is paired with ewing um in this game in nba jam tournament edition however they still gave Charles Oakley an eight on block. And Charles Oakley was an excellent rebounder. Both of us know that. But he was not a good shot blocker. So it makes you wonder again as if they're combining rebounding and block shots into it kind that of, block. It kind of feels rate. like it, doesn't it? And it's, it's again, because it's that same Dennis Rodman situation where they've given him a much higher rating than he should uh, just to make him kind of a defensive force in the game because there is no rebounding rating. But, but yeah, he uh, was not a, a great shot blocker. Isn't his dunk rating about five as well? And Oakley very infamously didn't dunk that much. Right. So the last one that I want to bring up is a couple of questionable three-point ratings. So Danny Manning and Tom Gugliotta have a seven, which is very close to the green for three-point rating. And there's no like gray area with three-point rating. It's three-pointers, right? It's shooting behind the arc. Yeah, exactly. Um, they have the same three-point rating as Anthony Peeler. And Googs, you, you never looked at Googs and thought he was like a rifleman. No. <laughs> like he was like a bomber from behind the arc that like, oh, no, you can't leave Googs open. Um, in fact, I don't think he was really shooting them at the time. And Danny Manning was an excellent mid-range shooter. He had that super quick release, one of the quickest releases in basketball history. Go back and watch the film. It's like he never got blocked, it seemed, on his mid-range shots because he just released the ball so fast. It just came out of his hand so fast. But he was also not, uh, you know, known as a three-point shooter. So that's another wild one. And just to kind of add some context to that, too, Danny Manning in 93-94 only attempted .3 threes per game and shot 17%. And Googs shot... A roughly one point, I think it says 1.9 per game and shot 27%, which is not a strong percentage either. So yeah, just some puzzling stuff from NBA Jam Tournament Edition. And it's the same with a few others. Oliver Miller, I think, has a three-point rating of six or possibly even seven. Uh, it's more suitable for Terry Mills, who was a kind of that pr- uh, early prototype of uh, a uh, big man with range. Sort of the same style of player as, a, uh, I guess, a Sam Perkins. So definitely some inflated ratings. Again, Dino Raja and Juan Howard having nine is just absurd. Uh, so I think they definitely whiffed on some and others. They just kind of made it up to, uh, to give players, uh, to make them a bit more of a threat or to balance it out uh, kind of artificially. But for the funny thing is, for the most part, despite some of those ratings being off, the game just plays really well, obviously, and it is a lot of fun. And a lot of the other ratings are, there's a lot of accuracy in the ratings otherwise, so for the most part it works, but there are definitely some weird ones. And of course, Yukidare on the PC version, with the most insulting ratings of all time, mostly ones and zeros. I think his only ratings above five or six are dunking and power, and possibly blocks, which which does make sense, but other than that, he is a... Uh, uh, one of the most underpowered players in the history of basketball games. If there was ever a player 
that in basketball history that deserved a zero on pass. Yes. It would be <laughs> Yinkadare. <laughs> Yinkadare. He's that is him to a T. Uh, I also want to point out too that they can get away with ratings like that oftentimes in an arcade game. Definitely. The inaccuracies um, don't matter as much because of the type of wacky and zany action that arcade games are intended to produce. You know, you got guys jumping, you know, 10, 20 feet above the rim to throw it down. And it's just supposed to be fast paced, loose fun. And so like, I, it doesn't bother me, uh, but I, I do, I almost wish that I was in the room when they were working on these ratings and making these decisions just so I could, you know, get more of an understanding of why. Before we go on, a reminder that the NLSC podcast comes out every week on the NLSC, mb-live.com, as well as our YouTube channel. We're also on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and other podcast apps. If you're listening on any of those apps, we'd greatly appreciate a review. To keep up with the show and everything we're doing with basketball gaming in general, connect with us on social media. On Twitter and Facebook, we are The NLSC. We also have an Instagram, NLSC Basketball, and on YouTube, we're youtube.com slash NBA Live Series Center. Once again, visit us at nba-live.com, where in addition to the podcast, you'll also find all of our original content, as well as our forum and modding community. Of course, there are actually tools to modify the Super Nintendo version of NBA Jam Tournament Edition. We've played with a couple of mods that have uh, made use of those tools. Always, as I've said before, always wish I had those tools on PC to mod that PC version. It's funny that we actually have tools for the the, uh, Super Nintendo ROM, but not the the PC version. Usually the PC version is what we have uh, modding tools for. Uh, Still would love to be able to put Michael Jordan in uh, Tournament Edition for PC. Obviously has been uh, added to those mods for Super Nintendo. Uh, I have talked about my attempts at modding the PC version of Tournament Edition before and coming up short. But uh, speaking of modding, Derek, March Modness, right around the corner. Yeah, and we have a couple big projects um, that we're hoping to release in the month of March. And before I even get to that, we did use a NBA Jam Tournament Edition mod, and you hosted it. And how fun was, was that? We were using Steph Curry and Clay Thompson in that game. And if I remember correctly, we ended up winning a game in triple overtime and yeah and i think we hit a couple key full court threes to keep (laughs) us alive in that game you know at the end of regulation and then another overtime etc uh that was a ton of fun and it worked great on my end even though you were hosting there but yeah so andrew and i uh, both have projects that we're working on and hoping to release during march modernist one of them being obviously the nba live 96 all-time teams roster project for the pc and you know we're go I'm, I'm still making portraits for that we're almost done with portraits for all the starters andrew's plugging away on you know filling out the rosters with the appropriate players we've obviously had a lot of dialogue and related to that and there's been a lot of decisions that have had to be made of you know where does chris paul go hornets or clippers you know where does mellow go nuggets or Knicks? and those are actually kind of fun conversations to have too because you get to dive into the history of these players right oh definitely um, and of course there's, there's an argument to have doubles but we are trying to have a, a no doubles roster so that you, so that you can actually have uh, feasibly a, a season with no overlap and no doubles in the statistics and the, and the league leaders so you do have to have these discussions and like Shaq and Kareem, that that's a, a tough one. 
my decision on that for our listeners and Andrew definitely agreed because it's more of like a balancing act. When you're doing no duplicates, you want to make sure like the player should still fit like on the team you're putting him on. Like he should still have had great seasons with that team, but you, you can't put Kareem in this instance on like the Lakers and the Bucks. However, because the Lakers have had so many great centers in history, we were able to move Kareem to the Bucks, who needed a strong center. So you have young Kareem on the Bucks, And for the Lakers, we have Shaq starting, and we have George Mikan on the bench. And then for the Orlando Magic, because Shaq isn't there, Dwight Howard is starting at center. So now all three of those teams have an awesome starting big man um so yeah those decisions have to be made but they're actually fun it's kind of fun talking through the process and then i have my nba 2k19 all-time fantasy draft roster that my brother and i have worked tirelessly on that we're going to be releasing hopefully in march and that's the goal is to have everybody on the free agent list above 80 overall having a portrait so all of the legends in history all the classic players that are going to be included in this mod classic current etc are going to have a portrait and we're about i would say 90 percent done that process which is huge i've made hundreds of portraits for this roster and you know we're going through the players and editing the signatures attributes all of that stuff badges and we're just going to make sure that it plays really well on the floor at the same time so yeah big releases andrew yeah and passion projects as well things that we can really get enthusiastic about and that is the the main thing with modding that you do want to make these especially with big projects you need to have the enthusiasm that will keep you going through the tedious parts where working on all the badges working on all the attributes that takes time when you're when you're putting in the effort that does take time when you're not just copy and pasting like we have seen in some official rosters anyway but uh, when you want to take put that effort into uh into mods yeah it does get tedious at times so but if you have that passion for the plays you're working on and whatever the concept for the roster is that carries you through that right exactly i mean you notice some things too when you're troubleshooting and you're you know you're a good way to tell if something is wrong with a player is by playing a bunch of games against the computer and seeing how the computer is using those players. And it, my brother and I were playing our fantasy draft season and Maurice Lucas took like four threes in the game. And we're like, ah, yeah, we have to go fix <laughs> that. That should Lucas. be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We got to go check his ratings because he did hit one of them. We got to go check his tendencies and, and sure enough, we went into his tendencies. And for some reason he had like a, I don't know, like 25 open shot, three tendency or three tendency or something like that. So, um, oversight happens, That's, you know, with so many players. Dial that back. Right. Exactly. There's so many, there's hundreds of players. Uh, um, in this roster. So a, a great way to troubleshoot is either do computer versus computer or, you know, get on the floor yourself, you control one team and play against the computer and see how they're playing with those players. Like you want the power forwards who played in the mid range and the post to, you know, be in those areas when the computer is using them. And then if you're, if they're on your team, you want them to be hanging out in those areas or, you know, moving to a block to post up if that's what they would normally do in real life. So there's a lot of thought and this isn't going to, I'm not talking down about the live 96 project because I think it's equally important and it's, it's going to look great and it's going to be fun to play, but 
you don't have to worry about that stuff as much when you're oh, modding no. an old game. 20 ratings, because, I think, in that game. Like, it's the play, right, like players you said, come you together very quickly. Players, yeah. Right, yeah. You said you could add players to a roster just like that, like very within much so. minutes. Yeah. yeah. I think you've seen yeah. me do it when you were connected on Parsec. I was showing you just creating a player in about two minutes. It's uh, Right, yeah. exactly. Which is cool about older games, right? You can really get stuff together a lot faster. Definitely, yeah. Um, but with the newer games, there's just so many ratings and badges and tendencies and um, art. And yeah, there's just so many different things you have to mess with in order to make it work, right? So that's going to be a fantastic project. Uh, I'm looking forward to getting our uh, all-time teams for 96 out there. I do have a couple of 96 mods ready to go. The the jersey roster, where I've taken all the players and put them on the team that match their jerseys. Very wacky roster there. Uh, same with the, the draft roster, where I've got all the players on the team that uh, drafted them. You and I played a game. Uh, was it uh, Warriors versus... Um, Warriors, who do we play? Warriors versus who? Sonics, wasn't Warriors it? Warriors versus Sonics, that's right. And... Yeah, that, that was a very fun game. Just putting them, again, a, a team that... Uh, some players that never played for the team that drafted them. What would it look like with a, a super team of players that were drafted by each club? And Sacramento, there's a lot of players in that NBA Lonely Six that were drafted by Sacramento that you don't remember. Kenny Smith, for example. We always think of him with the Rockets, but began with the uh, began with the Kings and, of course, had a stint with the Hawks in between. But there's th- things like that. And, of course, Anthony Hardaway with the Warriors, who drafted him and sent him to... Uh, Orlando for uh, for Chris Webber. So there's a lot of what if scenarios there that just uh, putting it all together. You know what what if players kept what if teams kept the players they drafted all the, all the players they drafted or in some cases like a John Starks and a Avery Johnson the team that signed them first. So I didn't leave all the undrafted players out. But those are a couple of projects I've got got going on. Uh, the 2K10 uh, missing legends that I'm adding, getting close to finishing that now. Uh, added Spreewell the other day to the uh, 90s West, so that was exciting. And uh, also looking at updating some of my existing rosters, Derek, going back to that uh, 2002 season roster for NBA Live 99 and adding some faces and uh, repackaging that, and same with the, the 96 roster for 2001, uh, maybe some enhancements to that 2004-96 roster, things like that. Just Just enhancing some old projects and re-releasing them and also some new stuff as well. So yeah, I, I remember Kenny Smith with the Kings for the fact that he actually competed in the slam dunk contest when he was with them. Mm, uh, that's right. So that's how I usually remember him with that franchise. Uh, and if you remember correctly on that NBA Live 96 game, we got absolutely torched by Penny Hardaway and Robert Parrish. That's right. Yeah. Uh, and Robert Parrish, because Robert Parrish wasn't doing the same for us when we were playing with that uh, the classic teams roster. Or no, the all, was it the all-time teams roster we had with Parrish? We were playing a game with, uh, with uh, it was it was the all time teams yeah it was the all time teams yeah playing, and he yeah. drastically underperformed for yes. us <laughs> yeah. um, and killed but us yeah. when it yeah but when he was with the Warriors there and we were playing against him he was just like the best center of all time um, but yeah no you have a lot going on you know modding related and and I think one thing that I'd like to do maybe for March is create at least one cyberface for one of the newer two K's, because as you know, I was really getting into it and I felt like I was getting a lot better at it. You know, I released the mask and Walter McCarty and, um, uh, an improvement to Jim Jackson. And I even did like Hellboy and Sylvester Stallone, um, and Apollo Creed. Like I was just, I was having some fun making cyberfaces for the newer two K's. And then it just kind of fell off. I, I ended up getting involved in other projects. Life caught up with me and, and I wasn't able to continue. But I'd like to create maybe a cyberface uh, for NBA 2K23 and release that uh, in March. 
Now, that'd be really cool, but it does come down to the games you're enjoying the most as well, because you're enjoying the game, as we've said before, and it's moddable. You kind of enjoy modding the game that you want to play. You want to use those mods in that game. Right, like 2K19 right now. My brother and I are really loving it. Um, and Stildo and I have our season on it. So I've converted a bunch of cyber faces uh, that were made by the community for to 2K19. Um, so I've been in Blender and Photoshop, um, you know, editing bodies and all that stuff. Like I've cre- uh, converted a Kobe over, T-Mac, uh, Shaq, and, and many other players uh, you know, from the newer 2Ks to 2K19. So you're right. You know, when you're enjoying the game, um, when it's something that maybe somebody else is enjoying with you at the same time as well, so you can share that experience, that is always going to be the the more enjoyable modding situation or modding project. And I will also have some features out. All three, Monday Tip-Off, Wayback Wednesday, and the Friday Five, we'll be covering some modding topics this month. Not just modding topics, there'll be some other gaming topics, obviously, that I like to cover. Got the uh, players who only appeared on certain teams in video games, the Phantom Stint series, that is the last Friday of every month at the moment. But I will be covering some uh, modding topics this month as well. Sure, we'll be talking about it on the podcast. And of course, Derek, the giveaway. Uh, People who upload work to the download section through March and put uh, March Modernist there in the description automatically go in the draw to win a copy of NBA 2K24 PC uh, later this year. I mean, that's incentive right there. Free games are expensive. Free game, yeah. Yeah, it's a free game. Um, And, you know, hopefully we do get NBA 2K24 for the PC. Hopefully it's the next-gen version. If not, I mean, I just want us to get a game again, right? I just don't want them to be done releasing 2Ks on PC. Definitely. I I want the community to still have a viable option to play and mod. And unfortunately, uh, right now, um, NBA 2K is the only five-on-five sim game uh, being released yearly for PC. And Live hasn't released one since NBA Live 08. So, um, yeah, you know, fingers crossed. And, yeah, that's definitely incentive. There will be a post coming out uh, on March 1st with all the full terms and conditions of that giveaway. Definitely check that out. Definitely get involved with all this celebration of modding, March Modernist. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun, as always. Six annual March Modernist, Derek. So it's uh, t- time certainly gets away from us. But uh, before we get to this week's mailbag, thought we'd uh, catch you all up on what we've been playing. Uh, obviously, Derek, this, this is going to surprise you. My NBA 2K14, my career, I've been playing that. Yeah, yeah. only for what? The, uh, your obsession has only lasted for, what, a year and a half now? Easily, yeah. Uh, and five seasons in that yeah, time, yeah. yeah. Five seasons playing every single game. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm impressed. I love it. It's a game that you, you know, were not fond of when it was first released. You dusted it off and said, you know what, I'm going to give this game a chance. And not only did you give it a chance, um, you ended up, it, it ended up being like the key part of your rotation. Oh, yeah. And you've been, yeah, and you've just been um, borderline obsessed with it. <laughs> and I love getting the highlights from you on Twitter. Um, Andrew continues to send me highlights when cool things happen. He continues to make submissions for the um, NLSC top 10 plays of the week. Um, the storylines can continue. Andrew's been carrying a much bigger load lately in season five because of injuries. Um, he has a starter on his team right now who I want to say he said is around 65 overall. Brandon um, Rush, yep. 
Yeah, Brandon Rush. So Andrew, you know, put up a 100 plus point game. Those highlights are up on YouTube. I told him I was mad at him because I wish he had taken the highlights from that full game. That way I could include it in the NLSC greatest game series. And he could be right alongside Delonte West from NBA Live 10 in the video game Hall of Fame. But unfortunately, he didn't take enough highlights. So it's almost mythical, just like the Wilt Chamberlain 100 point game. Well, here's the, the bad part. I did actually record that whole game and then cut it up to get those highlights. So I, And then I deleted the file because I thought I'd got all the highlights I wanted out of it. So, I, I, you know, it can be even madder at me because I did actually have the highlights to send, but it, it didn't occur to me. Um, but that being said, I, I would never want to put myself in the same breath as Delonte West. What a ridiculous performance by Delonte West in NBA Live 10. And I think the, the thing that's crazy about it is it was against another human and it was during the NLSC tournament. So it was high stakes. It was right? special. That was, was a special performance yeah. by Delonte. Yeah, I mean, you, you've yeah, got LeBron. Yeah. You've got LeBron right there. You've got uh, you've got you've got Big Z. You've got a lot of other weapons, but uh, it's Delonte who did it. Right, exactly. Here's Delonte West, not on the easiest level in the game, hitting fadeaway threes, coming off screens, um, driving to the hoop, and you know. Outplaying hitting Kobe. acrobatic layups <laughs> yeah in traffic yeah and it's a you know outplaying kobe i think i believe that was against the lakers uh so pretty wild stuff and uh delante west played for my celtics for a bit and he was a fan favorite and it was awesome watching him play because he was all out hustle all the time he was the little guard that would challenge big guys at the rim he'd be always trying to block shots and whatnot and of course he ended up with injuries as a result because of the way he played and that you know the that aggressive nature but he was an easy player to root for and in my my career i'm almost at the end of march now actually my next game is going to be against uh Kobe LeBron and the Lakers and uh, Kobe has announced his retirement that he's played a couple more seasons uh, than uh, than he did in real life he's up to 37,000 points I think he's so he's surpassed uh, Karl Malone at this point he's second all time uh, not going to beat Kareem unless he sticks around uh, has announced his retirement so this is probably going to be the last time that I face him uh, I'm kind of hoping that it's and it hasn't happened yet in my career that somebody's announced their retirement and gone back on it but I'd love it if he uh if he did stick around for one more year and perhaps he can break the record, uh, I mean, I'm hoping that I can play enough seasons of this to break the record myself, but it would kind of be cool to see him do it in, uh, in the, on the virtual hardwood. But I'm kind of hoping that uh, it'd be cool if he does come back, but then comes home to Philadelphia to play uh, a season uh, alongside me. That'd be kind of a, a cool twist if that happens, but I think he is going to ride up into the sunset, but uh, still going. Lakers are 31 and 41. They're out of the playoff picture, basically. Uh, the, the Kobe and LeBron pairing has not panned out as well in this uh in this uh, reality, as it would have in real life, even if they had joined up later in Kobe's career, I feel, as I said in my uh, feature on it in my NBA 2K14 My Career Stories video that I produced about that pairing. But it, it has been fun. Uh, Camelo Anthony is back in the lineup and healthy again. Terry Hansen still out until next year. 72-1 uh, and one at the moment, so uh, looking pretty good to uh, go for the fifth straight title. I'll tell you what, Kobe would have been happier playing with you in Philly for his last season than he would have in his real last season in real life under Byron Scott, where yeah. the Lakers were absolutely dreadful. Um, he definitely would have had more success and enjoyed that more. Um, yeah, so for me, NBA 2K19, my brother and I are 
over 30 games in now to our all-time fantasy draft roster um, season. So we're in, we're doing a my league. We're using the Orlando Magic. I'm locked on Shaq all season. Um, he's using the rest of the players. Uh, we have Tracy McGrady. We got Charles Barkley in the third round. Not sure how that happened. Um, we have you know Reggie Theus, Tim Thomas, Ricky Davis, um, Josh Smith, Paige Stoyakovic, Steve Francis. Really fun team. Um, and we're starting to get even better at the game because we keep playing. So we're beating the computer pretty easily right now. Um, so that's kind of cool and sad at the same time because we were enjoying the challenge before we kind of just figured things out. But we have that season going. Then we have an NBA 2K17 uh, ultimate classic teams roster season where it's the best teams of all time. Um, and it's the seasons between my two brothers and I, we're all controlling a team. I'm controlling the 94, 95 rockets. Um, my brother, Mark is, um, using the 86, 87 Los Angeles Lakers. And Nick is using the, because he wanted to use a younger Jordan. So he chose the 88, 89 bulls. And we're just being each other's opponents every game and whatnot. NBA 2K17's gameplay still holds up very nicely, and there's a lot of great highlights that are being produced and a lot of great competition for that season. And I also want to say that we're over 20 games into that as well. Um, So those are the two regulars as part of the rotation. Stildo and I are still playing our NBA 2K19 94 95 my league um i'm going to be posting a gameplay video shortly of sonics versus jazz where it went right down to the wire and i have not lost this season at least for the games that i posted but keep an eye on that game because it could have been my first loss there's been some close Uh, calls there's been some close calls lately right so coming into this game i want to say i was 24 and 0 or 23 and 0 um and yeah, the Jazz are so formidable. It's John Stockton, Carl Malone. Um, they are just loaded with shooters, with slashers like Blue Edwards and whatnot. And it's just it's a tough team to score on inside. They play great perimeter defense. And offensively, they're incredibly tough to stop. So, And they also have like Jeff Hornacek, which is a huge bummer because him and Stockton can both like light it up from the outside uh i also did post uh, a gameplay video today uh from that season where i use the suns with barkley um marley kj and whatnot versus stildo's magic and that was an excellent game so please check out those highlights on youtube but that's really the those are the two games that are mostly in my rotation right now like the regulars nba 2k19 and nba 2k17 and the seasons just fly by when you're having that much fun don't they oh my god yeah i I don't know. I've created a lot of memories with basketball video games and it just never stops. I mean, we've been doing this now since the nineties and, um, with each game and each year that goes by, we find a way to create memories, um, on the virtual hardwood and it's just a lot of fun. And of course, I also posted a video of uh, Charles Barkley in NBA 2K6, belated birthday celebration for uh, for him. Of course, I did the uh, MJ1988 uh, dunk contest as a celebration for his birthday last week. Uh, forgot about Chuck on the on the 20th, so I had to put something together for him for sure. And uh, yeah, 2K6, one of his rare appearances, and one of rare official appearances in uh, in games, especially post-retirement. 
So that was fun to play. And 2K6, I've kind of got a bit of a fondness for that game, Derek. I'm going to cover it way back Wednesday. Uh, I probably do prefer Live 06 in many aspects, and certainly Live 06 PC because of modding and, and so forth and, and right stick dribbling. But, you know, 2K6, I've kind of warmed up to that one. And as I said in uh, last week when we were talking about the uh, annoying mechanics, yes, I'm not a, a fan of the dribbling mechanics uh, pre uh, 2K13. Some of the 2K11, 2K12, I, I like a bit more than some of the earlier titles with that uh, early original version of Isomotion, but uh, I can make it work, and yeah, I like 2K6. Yeah, NBA 2K6 is a lot more limited than Live 06 in relation to, like, the things you can do on the floor. Mm, like, control. the control. Like, yeah, yeah, like, you can do so much more with your dribble on NBA Live 06. The post game is a lot better. Attacking the rim feels better. Like, if you want to talk about having more control, there's really no debate. There's, you can't say that you have more and in, in more control and more options in NBA 2K6. However, I will say this. Uh, I, I enjoy that game at times. I actually um, posted a gameplay video to my YouTube channel a while back uh, using the Warriors. Uh, I think it was against the Raptors in that game. And I had a lot of fun with that game. Um, but it does look really good capturing it using the Elgato. Oh, and you fun. use the yeah. Elgato, yeah, to um, capture that footage. And I watched the whole video a couple times. And it's just, it stands out. It, it, they, they did a really good job with the next-gen gen jump from NBA 2K6 on the PS2 era to, you know, moving it to, like, Xbox 360. It looks good in motion, and some of the faces are all right, but but some of the faces are, are pretty ordinary, especially compared to what EA were doing at the time. Oh, no, 100%, I agree. So, yeah, a lot of fun being had on the virtual hardwood. As always, we will keep you up to date on what we're playing, and we want to hear about what you're playing as well. And uh, speaking of community interaction, Derek, it is time to open up the mailbag. To the mailman, the face. What an unbelievable dunk! So I asked the community, what is your ideal basketball gaming experience and and i gave examples is that you know playing with a friend or family member online or locally you know snacks in front of a tv or sitting in front of monitors using your computer you know listening to podcasts while you grind away and 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 that's really the nature of the questions i, I want to know um how people prefer their basketball gaming experience and, and before i give my take on this i'd like to know andrew what is your ideal basketball gaming experience? See, it's a tough question for me to answer because I enjoy kind of equally both solo and uh, multiplayer or co-op play. So uh, I, I have a lot of great experiences uh, just by myself in front of the TV in a chair or lying on the bed or on the sofa or, um, or yeah, sitting in front of my uh, PC. So I kind of don't have a. Or on your bike, or on your bike, Andrew. Or on my I remember bike. you play. Yeah, I remember you playing games on over Parsec with me of NBA Live Ten while you were getting a workout in. I still do that if, if I haven't been able to get out for uh, for a run or a jog or a walk uh, that day. My cardio will be uh, on the bike playing uh, playing a game. And actually, quite often, if I am I'm on the bike and uh, playing uh, my career, for example, I will actually be listening to a podcast, which is funny because obviously there's great presentation in 2K14 in my career, but of course I've heard a lot of the lines before in the commentary, so. Quite often, I'm listening to a podcast when I play that. So, but yes, I will get on the bike and do a bit, of, <laughs> do a bit of exercise while I'm uh, playing a game. Who says that playing video games is unhealthy, Derek? No, oh, no. I, I think it was Roger, actually, NBA Live 2001 legend, who stated that he had been playing NBA 2K14 as well on his bike, like uh, that he had been, um, you know, getting some sessions in while he was on the stationary. And I think that actually a lot of people probably do that and um that's something that i don't really have the setup for 
And I'm actually not even a fan of my stationery that I have in my apartment because it's old and I actually think it just sucks in general. Um, but yeah, I think that's a great idea. And of course, playing Parsec with you has become a very enjoyable part of my uh, basketball gaming rotation as well. And for a long time there, playing with the guys on a uh, on a Friday night, we'd usually play with the NLC Thrill Ho, just uh, setting up and yes, having some snacks maybe and uh, having a couple of beers while we play and uh, and whatever was uh, whatever your poison is so and that was uh, just sitting there in the uh, in the in my computer chair but in front of the tv in this uh, instance so yeah i kind of have a variation of it but uh, well, it depends on who i'm playing with and whether i'm playing solo and yes i will sometimes bring the exercise regime into the uh, into the basketball gaming as well yeah so um i've loved our parsec sessions and that has been something that's kind of been a staple of my basketball gaming habits for the last year and a half or so and that's not going to go away anytime soon as you know i mean we just connected tonight and played some nba jam tournament edition we still have to finish the road trip on nba jam on fire edition we still want to get a season started on say like one of the older nba live games and you know we have modding projects we're working on so none of that's going to stop um and while i love that my ideal gaming experience is always going to be local and with my two brothers. And it's not that I don't enjoy other experiences more. In fact, I can have a blast with it. And it's also great for content creation. It's just my brothers and I have such a history together. Of right? course, yeah. And we've been playing these basketball video games together since, you know, for multiple decades. And, you know, fantasy drafts, all-time teams, you know, just the regular teams doing a draft with the like stock current rosters in games, creating players, creating legends, putting our favorite players in the game. Um, just absolutely endless amount of memories that have occurred as a result. And as I've talked about on prior podcasts, video game legends have been created. Alonzo G, Pat Garrity, Walter McCarty. Walter Herman, there's been, you know, Hashim Thabit, uh, Greg Monroe, Larry Sanders, that combo, that duo on like a drafted team was just so deadly. And I want to say it was NBA 2K11. Um, just we've made so many memories and we've had so many laughs. We've also had some intense competition and just all of us being in the room together um, and being able to experience that on that type of level. Um, that is that is what it's all about and it doesn't matter for using wired controllers wireless doesn't matter for playing on a big tv a small tv it doesn't matter for playing an old game or a new game that experience is just always amazing no i, I love it and i can relate to that obviously with my cousin coming down every holidays uh either sitting uh, one of us sitting in the, in the computer chair one of us uh, sitting or lying on the bed uh playing on the console or two chairs in front of the computer when we're playing uh, playing the PC version of uh, of Jam or whatever and again yes you say as you say the, the camaraderie the jokes that you'd tell and the intense battles that you'd uh, have uh, against the CPU in, in co-op play which was what we'd usually play can definitely relate to all of that and some of my fondest basketball gaming memories as well in fact once we actually played a, a game of our Live 95 season with the Rockets and uh, we had the um, <laughs> we had a microphone and a tape recorder not not these fancy microphones and uh, MP3 recordings that we're doing these uh, podcasts with Derek digital recordings uh, recording onto a tape and we're commentating and making jokes and uh, doing fake promos and everything but you know based on 1995 for upcoming games and everything and uh, yeah I still I think I still have that recording somewhere it's funny uh 
back in the day, we did something similar, but we did it with movies. So we would have a movie on and we would turn the volume off and we would create our own plot for the movie. And like we would do the voices for the actors. <laughs> you did and riff, you did riff tracks. You did Mystery Science Theater 3000. Yeah. 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 Stuff like that. And um, that was like really fun for us. Um, but, you know, that's what it's all about, though, is it's, you know, the creative aspect, the shared experiences, the um, it, it, like anything that's a shared experience with somebody else will always be more memorable, right? Than doing something solo and that in my opinion too though is the beauty of parsec like ken so still to 33 him and i have never met in real life he's a guy that's roughly around our age but we share a love for basketball and we're able to connect on nba 2k19 play this season or even outside the season just play some of the you know regular games with the other mods and everything like that and we can still have laughs right? Oh, yeah. We can still get competitive. We can still trash talk each other. He can still send me a picture of lobsters whenever he's killing me with Greg Kite. Like <laughs> Stuff like that um, is, in my opinion, just what it's all about. And he you know, participated in the NBA Jam on Fire edition tournament, the NLSC tournament, and him and I faced off in the finals. And when he hit the game winner in what would have been a closeout game against me, with larry bird he was screaming we were on the phone he was just like screaming with excitement like in your face and whatnot and like like i said that's that's just what it's all about i'll never forget that moment even though it wasn't local i'll never forget that moment yeah that's what it's all about and i had the same with nlc thrill ho as well on, on friday night you know we're all uh unwinding after work and uh, just enjoying some uh, some running gags and everything and, and even when the games weren't going well if, if there was some uh, connection problems uh with the 2k servers or the the game wasn't uh, performing well after a patch or experiencing some of the toxicity that comes with the online scene uh, there was still that camaraderie there to uh, to have jokes uh, to joke around with each other and everything so yeah that was that was a lot of fun for a while there um uh yeah it, it's been difficult to to do with uh the games, the online scene not being as fun at all. It's uh, There are some things that jokes can't overcome, Derek, and uh, that's why there are some games that we don't play as often. Uh, Live 07 comes to mind. It's only every so often you can pull out Live 07 and uh, make fun of it before you need to put it aside again and not play it for quite a while. But but no, it, it definitely helps that whole experience. And uh, look, I, I do love solo play. I love games like Fallout that are single player. So playing through a dynasty and having that uh, online storyline going, or as I'm doing with the my career in 2K14 at the moment, that keeps me very entertained. And uh, growing up, uh, I do have an older half-brother who's 16 years older than me. So I kind of grew up as an only child, apart from having my cousin coming. And uh, you know that was, that was pretty much the only time I had somebody else in the house was when my cousin came to visit or when friends came around my age anyway obviously so uh solo play has always been very important to me and very fun but uh no it's always great to uh, get friends and uh, family joining in as well right and i think what the community expressed with their responses to this week's mailbag is kind of a mixture um it's you know whether it's online or offline i think the community still more leans to enjoying offline more and that local experience but going by the responses that we did receive um it's definitely a mixed bag so let's get to those responses uh, beginning with uh, roger one of the live 2001 legends of course says face-to-face gaming only lick a drink in hand old school basketball or baseball playing on another tv in the background and yeah having some of that background noise especially a, a classic game yeah i like that they are um roger and nate 
NBA Live 2001 Legends. By the way, congratulations, guys. Your YouTube channel um, is growing. Um, your subscriber count has gone up immensely lately. I've been keeping an eye on it. I think you guys are roughly around 300 subscribers. Uh, I think the last time I talked about this, just a few weeks ago, you had just hit 200. So that is some fast growth for the type of content that you folks um, upload. So huge congrats on that. They've been uploading a ton of footage related to, you know, uh, NBA 2K14, either Roger playing solo or Nate and Roger going head to head. They're still, you know, uploading NBA Live 2001 gameplay, which I love. They're still playing that game, even though they got some new games into the rotation. They stream MVP Baseball 2005. Um, You guys are old school. I love it. You love the local experience, just like I do with my brothers. So that is some awesome stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, I'll give you an example of something that is similar to what Roger said, you know, having a game on in the background. So back when we were younger, there was a period of time when my brothers and I would get together and play GoldenEye 007 for um, N64. Just an amazing game. Still, still amazing today. And we would all play, you know, they had like the multiplayer, the split screen and all that stuff. So we would be huddled around this small TV. And whenever we got together, we would have Van Halen playing in the background. So we would have music. So not like a game, but we would have music playing in the background. And it just kind of became like a staple to that experience. And that's a big part of the memories today related to those gaming experiences it's the the game was great but it's also just like the entire scene right the entire atmosphere and whatnot and those van halen songs that we would be listening to during the golden eye days we associate those songs now with golden eye so yeah i can definitely understand the whole like having something going on in the background um you know some other you know, music or commentary, etc. That's not you know coming from the game. And to that point, Nate also follows up with uh, when Roger and I game, we like to have a second TV playing YouTube sports highlights muted. Uh, Roger makes a round of liquor drinks as well. Uh, when I game solo, I usually record or stream on YouTube. Sometimes I'll play a podcast and turn the commentary volume completely off. And yeah, once again, I kind of do the same thing with my 2K14, my career, and other games when I'm playing. Uh, if especially when I'm on the bike, I'll be uh, I have the commentary down or. Uh, or muted and be listening to a podcast or, or some music. Yeah. And uh, one thing I'd like to ask them as a follow-up is does Roger play better when he's sober or when he's had a few drinks in him? I'd like, I'd like to know, um, does he loosen up and, you know, maybe he's better on the games, uh, you know, once a few drinks are in him. Uh, yeah. You guys can come back with that, uh, with that answer. Next up, we have Juicy Shackmeat. It says, ideally, I'd love to play with my brothers and childhood buddies during weekends with hot dogs and fried noodles on the living room desk as we take turns playing, just like the old days. It'd be a huge bonus if my wife joins us for three-point contests of live or 2K. And yeah, that, that whole party setup. Uh, and of course, uh, you mentioned Goldeneye. That brings to mind many afternoons uh, and, and uh, mornings before school spent with friends playing games like that. Uh, any kind of multiplayer we can get... Uh, I mean, two players is always fun when you get three or four in, either taking turns on the on the controllers or uh, or four player split screen, as was the case with uh, Goldeneye, of course. Uh, yeah, tons of fun. I think that a lot of the kids today are totally missing out on that experience because everything is just 
online, 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 right? And local play isn't promoted the way it used to be. Um, some of the, the things we used to do in the past that were so special with multiplayer was like Super Smash Brothers, right? That was, you know, a bunch of people in the same room hooked up to the console and, you know, having laughs and, you know, you know, eating snacks together and, you know, maybe even having a drink and stuff like that if you're of age um, and whatnot. And then, you know, you had games like, you know, GoldenEye, which I already mentioned. Then you had like WCW versus NWO World Tour, where you could have multiple controllers hooked up and you could do like a tag team match and all of that. Um, yeah, I, I think that, um, again, nothing beats that shared experience. And if you're spending, you know, time with family and friends and everything and you got snacks and all that stuff, just that's just all the better. And Snake, Snake2022 on Twitter says, uh, offline, chilling off time. Uh, realistic stats, real-looking players, and reshades. And that reminds me a lot of my great Dynasty games that I've had and franchise games. Love doing that and going for those realistic stats. Sometimes, I've also had Ben Gordon score 92 points in a game, so I will definitely play fast and loose with uh, with reality, Derek. But uh, I've never really been into uh, reshades as far as mods go. I know a lot of people do like to change up the game that way, and that's cool. Uh, I've usually just gone with the default aesthetic, usually. But yeah, offline gaming, uh, I'm all for that too. Yeah, he mentions reshades. I think a lot of people on PC, you know, playing the newer 2Ks or even some of the past ones, uh, I think that reshades have become a really big thing, especially when Next Gen came out and everybody was trying to make the PC version of NBA 2K look like next gen definitely so they were trying to get the lighting the same the if there's a fog effect the fog effect the same um trying to make the colors look the same all of that stuff and it was either messing with the games global or it was using like a reshade application which is what a lot of people have been releasing in the community um over on the nlsc so uh, i'll i'll say this when nba 2k 14 pc came out i was obsessed with globals, the global mods, the ones that actually change the look of the accessories, the ones that changed the sweat effect, like Lagoa's global is still my go-to because it added more realistic sweat effect, um, sweat that you can see from like the broadcast angle. And it was progressive sweat where, you know, throughout the game, if the player had been playing quite a bit, he would increasingly, increasingly sweat more. So, um, yeah, I, I definitely understand the draw to reshades and global edits and everything because they can definitely change the visual experience. And uh, we have another vote for offline play here. Uh, Boo Radley says, alone on a TV while listening slash watching NBA League Pass on my phone. So yeah, I think a lot of people like having that background noise that's uh, kind of a whole immersive uh, stimulation for the senses, if you will. Right, and I'm going to give a shout out here to Teddy Bear the Gamer because he has sent a few highlights in the past to me and in the background what i can hear is the nlsc podcast playing um he's listened to the podcast for quite a while um and i really appreciate him and his support but i always thought it was cool that you know i would get a highlight every now and then from him and what i heard in the background was him, him listening to our show uh a lot of people do like that they like listening to podcasts nate and roger like having the tv on in the background you know some sports highlights some sports commentary and everything and i think that can add to the experience too definitely and uh, we love the, the support from teddy and yeah that's cool that you've uh, heard him listening to the show and uh, very supportive of everything we do and uh, and shout out to teddy for those highlights because they're always awesome 
Next up, we have Sweet Jones underscore OTF, Big Perk, uh, says, family member slash online scene sitting in front of my big screens playing on, like, volume 25 with my soundbar on. And a case of beer, just having fun and battling each other, win or lose, just positive vibes. And uh, and yeah, obviously we all get competitive, but it is important that win or lose, you can be a good sport and uh, compete hard and uh, yeah, and ultimately have fun with the games. Yeah, my brother bought me an amazing soundbar a couple of years ago and came with the sub and everything and it's just booming. Like it's just great quality. However, I live on the third floor of an apartment. So there's somebody who lives directly under us and there was absolutely no way that I could keep this installed. Um, and it, it's, it's sad, but it's more motivation for me to um, buy a house and I'm still looking and that's a nightmare right now. If anybody wants to ask me, reach out and I'll tell you how much of a nightmare it is. Um, like the housing market is terrible at the moment. Or if, but, they, or if uh, they have a really good house to sell you, also reach out. <laughs> right exactly if you have a house that you want to sell me in the new england area yeah please reach out um but yeah no i totally understand that and he has some great content too uh the, he's very similar to us in the way you know in the games that he enjoys playing and like the way he wants to enjoy that experience and whatnot i've seen him uh stream nba jam on fire edition uh he's he was diving into the newer 2ks and everything he's a cool dude and uh, Intermediate Difficulty Pete says, uh, local single player, no always online nonsense, sitting in front of a TV, quiet room, fully immersed in the experienced broadcast type experience. Yeah, once again, reminds me a lot of my franchise and Dynasty Gaming, the way I like to do it. I was usually in front of a PC at the time, except for Live 2004, funnily enough, playing uh, as much as I uh, modded that on PC and did play it on PC, uh, often I, my Dynasty that year was actually on uh, PS2 because that version came out first and I just got hooked on that. But I, I love that whole... Uh, getting immersed in it and just uh, just like it is a, a real broadcast, absolutely. Yeah, basically when he's playing, get the hell out of the way, leave him alone, let him play, um, let him get immersed in the action. No, I love that. Um, and he said broadcast style, right? Yep. Um, so that's something that you and I both love. Uh, we pretty much any chance we get, we'll use broadcast cam. Um, I know that you enjoy um, the you know that kind of different camera view experience. Um, you know the follow cam for like your my career on nba 2k14 but it really comes down to like using nba teams or just playing nba modes and whatnot that you're going to be using broadcast um but yeah i'm, I'm the same I, I want my video game to as long as it's like a simulation game not an arcade game but my um my five on five experience with basketball video games i want it to be as realistic as possible Definitely, that's why I love the broadcast view for uh, for that gaming. Uh, as, yes, as you say, when I'm playing a, a player locked mode, my career or the connected online modes, I am playing that follow mode over the shoulder, kind of. Uh, that not not quite 2K cam. It's the one that follows the player and swivels and uh, just travels back up and down the court. I find that better for that particular style of play. Otherwise, I'm on broadcast or, of course, Derek, classic cam. Classic cam on the NBA Lives, the older NBA Lives, and then um, like the crowd cam on NBA 2K8, which kind of emulated it. Um, that's still such a great view of the court. I love it. And finally, we have Dr. Funk1984 says, My friend of 30 years came through yesterday and we played Royal Rumble on Sega Genesis for hours. And, and yeah, I, I love that. Obviously, same age as us. Uh, yeah, just being able to connect with an old friend and uh, go back and play a classic from childhood. Uh, I played the uh, Super Nintendo version of that game. Uh, WWF Royal Rumble, uh, a lot of fun, 
and, and yeah, whether it's basketball or whatever, Goldeneye, we mentioned, uh, the first-person shooters, multiplayer, whatever it is, that's a very fun experience, and uh, yeah, you're never too old to, uh, to connect like that and just uh, have some throwback fun. The fact that you can still have a blast doing that all of these years later, um, you know, as an adult with all your different, you know, your new responsibilities and everything, um, I hope you never lose that. You know, my brothers and I, we talk about it. We we plan on playing these video games until our thumbs won't allow us to <laughs> anymore, until our minds won't allow us to anymore. Because why would we let go of such a fun experience? Why? Because we're adults, right? Like, why? Because they're video games? Like, absolutely not. Um, we're going to play for as long as we can. Hell, my, you know, my, my girlfriend, she plays. Actually, her and I connected on Parsec today because she was house-sitting. And um, we played Unravel 2. I don't know if you've ever heard of that game. Um, it's a co-op side scroller um, for stra- with you know where you can use strategy. And we had a blast playing that today. And then she also, I watched her play some Crazy Taxi, which is one of my favorite games, um, non-basketball games of all time. Um, we used to have it for the Dreamcast and whatnot, but there's a version on Steam that we were playing. So I watched her play that a bit, but never let go of that stuff. And you know, anybody that tells you that you're you know too old for that stuff or or that you know as long as you're taking care of your responsibilities in life, like your important responsibilities and, you know, you're treating people the right way. That's, that's what matters. You know, keep gaming. It's fun. For sure. You know, I was looking at our demographics on, uh, on Spotify the other day, Derek, and we have a lot of listeners around our age, uh, between 25 and 45 as sort of our, uh, most, uh, most of our listeners shout out to you. Obviously we can relate to a lot of your live experiences growing up with basketball gaming. And of course, shout out to our older and younger listeners as well. We appreciate each and every one of you, but, uh, yeah, it's, as we've said before, you know, it, there's so much debate over what is an adult activity. What is, what is a, an appropriate hobby for adults? I should say. And, um, yeah, I mean, if you grew up with games, they remain part of your way to unwind and to, uh, to, to socialize as well. I mean, even so, even today, go around to a friend's place for a party and they'll, they'll have some kind of gaming system set up and we'll have a bit of a go of that and while having some drinks and food and, and chatting and some people will be playing and coming in and out. And yeah, a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. just don't let go of something that you enjoy just because of any social pressures, right? Or because somebody's in your ear telling you, hey, you know, you should be doing something out. Uh, trust your gut, something else. You trust your gut, do what you love, you know, if it's a shared experience, all the better. But yeah, don't stop, you know, for any reason that doesn't make sense. And of course, we will continue to celebrate basketball gaming here on the NLC podcast and in all of the content that we produce. But uh, thank you to everybody who responded to that mailbag prompt. Yeah, a lot of people loving basketball gaming, which we love to hear about, Derek. Yeah, thank you for listening each week to the podcast and you know when i put out a mailbag jumping on those questions and whatnot and you know we love hearing from you and we love hearing what you're up to in basketball gaming and how you're doing in life and whatnot you know we follow you the nlsc account usually follows you as well and um yeah you know thanks for you know basically you know sharing kind of this journey with us i know that sounds cheesy but really you know basketball gaming should be about fun and it should be about excitement and shared experiences. And, and you guys do that with us. So I appreciate it. Absolutely. With that being said, that has brought us to the end of this week's show. As always, we thank you for tuning in and invite you to join us again next week, either on the NLSC, com, our YouTube channel, or your podcast app of choice. In the meantime, please connect with us on social media. That's where you can get in touch with us. And of course, stay up to date with all of our content. So Derek, go ahead and plug the handles. You can reach me on Twitter where I'm the most active at D for 3G and at D for 3 
84. I am on the NLSC, D for free, and also on YouTube, D for free. One final reminder about March Modernist that tips off next week. Look out for the full terms and conditions of the giveaway and please get involved with that, uploading mods and of course enjoying them and we'll have plenty of content about that. I am Andrew in the forum and Andrew NLSC on Twitter. The NLSC is on Twitter and Facebook at the NLSC. Our Instagram is NLSC Basketball. We're on YouTube at youtube.com slash Center. And of course, give a look to the NLSC itself, mb-live.com, for everything we do for basketball video games. So, thank you once again for tuning in, and until next time, I'm Andrew. And I'm Derek. Go get buckets, everyone. <laughs>